Welcome to this episode of the podcast. And if you're a first-time listener, I'm David Bailey, an Englishman in the Balkans. I've lived in the northwest of Bosnia and Herzegovina for over 20 years. This podcast is all about telling stories from this small, heart-shaped, but often misunderstood country in the Western Balkans. In this episode of the podcast, I get to know Bella Dominkovic and to find out so much that I never knew about the wines of Bosnia and Herzegovina. It really is a fascinating insight into the wine culture of this country and how Bella is trying to put Bosnia on the world wine map as a high-quality boutique wine area. So first off, who is Bella Dominkovic? You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. To make it short, I'm a wine lover. Actually, I'm coming from Swiss. I'm from Switzerland. I'm Swiss. And I live here in Bosnia Herzegovina since 2018. First year in Sarajevo, and now we moved to the my beloved Herzegovina, the southern part of Bosnia Herzegovina. I am a wine expert. I'm a state at the sommelier. And I am a holder of the WSCT diploma, and also I'm a food and wine expert in um, food technology and food processing, which is very important that you can pair food and wine perfectly. Yeah, for me, wine is my life, and I decided 10 years ago to make my hobby to my profession. And here I am. What made you? come to Bosnia and Herzegovina if you are originally Swiss. <laughs> My ex-husband, he was working for a Swiss NGO with, uh, with a project here in the Balkans. So he had to move in 2018 to Bosnia-Herzegovina. He asked me to join and I was excited to work also abroad to deep dive into the wine business. And this is why we decided in 2018 to move from Zurich to Bosnia-Herzegovina. That's a, a story in itself, which I'll have to catch up with over a glass of wine with you. What inspired you to become a wine expert? How did you develop this expertise that you have? It started very early. I, I loved wine since I am legally allowed to drink. And it was always wine who catched me because wine itself, it's very versatile. You have red wine, white wine, different styles, different countries, different regions. And then I had once this basic wine close, this was just an evening, four hours, very simple. But it catched me because I realized that winemaking is so much more than just um, harvest the grape, press it out, let the juice ferment and bottle it. And this was the point that I decided I want to deep dive into the winemaking. I also have a study, let's say a diploma in analogy and viticulture. So I know how to do wines. So I'm a winemaker too. And this whole package, it started with this WSCT diploma. 
which is the Wine and Spirit Education Trust Diploma located in London. This is an international known diploma. And then I decided to deep dive into food and wine pairing. And this is why I decided to make this diploma as a stated sommelier from the wine and sommelier school in Germany. And also this food and wine specialist is a diploma of the same school. So with all these certificates and diploma, you have the whole package. And it's, it's the best thing I ever did because it's my passion turned into a profession and it's my life, my love, my life, and I can live it daily. I looked on your website or I checked you out online and you've actually worked in France in one of the most famous chateaus, I believe. No, it, it's not, let's say, one of the famous, but one of the um, outstanding ones because we, the chateau is in the Provence and... By the way, I'm going back in two weeks for another season. And this chateau, it's very specific because we are not only a chateau and winery, we are also a research institute for fungus resistant grape varieties. So this is very special because it, with this climate change, this topic will pop up more and will become more and more important. And this is also very special. The Chateau du Vivier is also a hotel, so you can book some rooms. And beside them, it's, it, it is a winery and a research institute in the middle of the wild and wonderful Provence. You're listening to an Englishman in the Balkans. Now we're talking about wines from Bosnia and Herzegovina, my adopted country that I've fallen in love with. It seems that you have fallen in love with Bosnia and Herzegovina as well. Bella, what makes the wines of Bosnia and Herzegovina unique and how do they differ from wines produced in other regions, for example, in Portugal or France or Germany or wherever? This is a good, really good question. At least we can be very proud here in Bosnia and Herzegovina because we are having two out of donors grape varieties. This is the white Shilavka and the red Blatina. What it makes it also very special is we have climate-wise, very different climates here in Bosnia-Herzegovina, um, because we have not only in the Herzegovina, there is wine, there is also in the northern part mm -hmm. uh, around Banja Luka. We do have uh, different wineries. And when we speak from Banja Luka, we have a continental climate, completely different soil. Herzegovina is Mediterranean, so that means the wines are very fruity, very amenable, but also very elegant because of the grape varieties. Then we have a lot of sun that gives power into the wine. We have also a very fruitable uh, soil and mixed with stones, what gives this specific minerality to a wine. And I think this combination makes it that our wines are very terroir driven. You mentioned about not only Herzegovina, but you mentioned about the wines in the area where I live in Bosnia and um, here in the north. I was 
very surprised doing some research into the immigrant communities into Bosnia and Herzegovina as the Ottomans left the country and the Habsburgers took it over and, and they brought people in to try and improve the agricultural skills of the people of what was then their province. And I was fascinated about the, it's the Italian population that had arrived in a town called Lactashi, which is on my doorstep here. And then to go to visit them. And they said, we have a winery here. Uh, that was shock number one. Shock number two for me as an immigrant was to know that near Prignavor, uh, there is now a winery that has been set up by somebody from that area with Ukrainian background who's brought um, an expert winemaker from the Alsace into the country. And they're now producing, I I'm assuming it's going to be amazing, award-winning wine. Not many people understand that there's wine in the north and wine in the south. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Which, in your professional opinion, do you think is the more classical wine? Is it the Kraina wine from up here in the north, or is it the Herzegovinan wine from the area where you are in today? This is a really good question. I would say, style-wise, it is more the Herzegovinian wine who is known as wine from Bosnia-Herzegovina, because in the northern part, we have also completely different grape varieties than we are cultivating here in the south part. This, is, this, this belongs to the climate and also to the soil. This is very important for a grape. But when I compare the wine styles, and I know from which winery you're talking about, and the wines are outstanding because I was there. And this is, you can see that this handmade, this French style, this very elegant style that he brings in, in, in his wine varieties. But I would say... From when we compare the wines from the northern part to the south, to the part that has to go in our wheeze in the south, then we have, let's say, the fruitier, the much more volume, and uh, we can, uh, yeah, let's say our advantage is that we have Shilavka and Platina, which are the two out of Domnus grapes. One, of two, but the two most famous, there is also Trniak, there is also Branac, uh, Blavac Mali, which are also very, very known. But with Zilavka and Blatina, I would say the Herzegovinan part is much more known abroad than the northern part. That's very interesting because it leads now to my next question for you is, what are some of the challenges facing uh, Bosnian winemakers? And if they do have challenges, how easy is it for them to overcome? And I ask this question because I'm an Englishman. I've always, my uncle moved to France when I was five and he is now, he's coming to the end of his life, but he's more French than a Frenchman, I would imagine. And he has always said that wine in France is, it's like a religion. It's embedded in the culture. Everybody even uh, the, a small person in Paris can tell you about wine, which is 
amazing because most English people couldn't tell you about beer. So Bosnia and Herzegovina is a tiny country compared to France. What, cha what challenges do Bosnian winemakers have today and how do they overcome it? Well, the challenge is even we have over 2,200-year-old history in terms of winemaking here in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Um, Bosnia-Herzegovina struggled with a lot of war. I have to mention it because uh, this is one point that Bosnia-Herzegovina has still a huge potential in terms of wine styles. But also what we do have is we don't produce a huge amount of wine. So we are talking about 700 hectares, more or less. It's really difficult to, to find figures which are not as old as I am. But I would say 700 hectares, just to compare, this is half uh, of Mosul in Germany. So the problem is... For sure, also to produce a proper amount uh, to export. Mm -hmm. um, then it's also a political, or, or let's say uh, not a political, but it is a problem that Bosnia-Herzegovina is still, we are now a candidate, but we are not in the EU. Sometimes they struggle also with the Export, export things, a lot of paperwork, a lot of uh, complicated things to fill in. And there is also a generation problem, but now there is a tremendous change in it. So the young winemakers, they have international experience. So they study, for example, in Austria or they were for two, three months in Australia. Because before it was like my grandfather did it like that. I do it like that too, because I don't know it better. This a little bit of, this was a little bit of problem, but this change. And with this change, we feel that new wine styles were being created. The wines are a little bit younger, not in terms of vintage, but in terms of wine style, more amenable. They pay more attention to the international market and so on. And I think we are in a good way to get more and more recognized to a wider audience. But still, we are a really small dot on the international wine market. There is still a lot of work to do. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you would like to support us and the production of future episodes, then please consider maybe buying us a coffee. You were mentioning there about the younger people saying, my dad did it like this, or my grandfather did it like this. This is how I did it. This is nothing to do with wine, but we have in the garden and the property where we live here in the village, a fair amount of plum trees. And as at the End of the year, it's time for making rakia, whether it's Slivovitz or Dunyavacha or whatever. And I've noticed that there doesn't seem to be a school for rakia. The school for rakia is father, grandfather, um, great grandfather. And for me, rakia plays an integral part of the culture of Bosnia and Herzegovina. What role does wine play? have you seen in the culture of Bosnia and Herzegovina? And, and do you see that changing over time? There is a change, but still we are a country of 
spirits. This is a fact. But wine come, becomes more and more important as well because also the gastronomy part of Bosnia-Herzegovina has changes with a lot of very good restaurants. The people travel more. They compare, they can compare a little bit more the wines from abroad with the wines from here, from Bosnia-Herzegovina. And the point is that with this, also with this, and social media has a huge impact also here in Bosnia-Herzegovina uh, to generate more wine drinkers because wine, it's even more Instagrammable than the glass of Rakia. So there is with uh, the generation now, there is a change that wine becomes much more and more popular. Here's a professional question for you. I've had arguments about this in all the time that I've been here. Um, and now I've got somebody that will either prove me right or wrong, but at least I'll be, at least I'll be able to give the correct answer. Bella, in my life as a Northern European, I've always been used to drinking wine, red wine. I love claret. I just die for a good deep claret with lots of cheese. It's my route to heaven. But, uh, but here, every time, I, at least I get to drink red wine, it's always served cold. Are they doing it right or have I got it wrong? When you're fond of claret, then you're drinking history. We know that uh, it was a very important part for Bordeaux centuries ago. But yeah, let me see. No. I, here in the Herzegovina, they serve the wine on a proper temperature. So it depends a little bit if you have a young red, um, steel tank, fruity, young vintage, then it is a little bit colder. But when you have an aged one, um, then they serve it. This is what, this is my experience. I never had a wine that was poured in my glass with the wrong temperature. Honestly, to say, I always get the feeling up here in the north when I'm at a restaurant or visiting family members that the wine is always in the fridge. And that for me is just like, what? It shouldn't be in the fridge, should it? I see that, for example, these five liter plastic bags are usually in the fridge because they have to once they are open. This is not a high quality wine. In two days, they're full of oxidation aroma, so they can, they can put it away. But normally, no. Uh, these restaurants, I know they have wine fridge. They have specific wine fridges for white wine, red wine, and for red wine, the aged ones and, for, and the younger ones, which you serve a little bit uh, colder as uh, usual. But uh, no, I didn't have this experience once again here in the Herzegovina. At least, at least I feel that I've got it half right. Bella, you mentioned about, I just love what, I just love what you said about a glass of wine is more Instagrammable than a glass of Rakia and social media could help the wine industry from Bosnia and Herzegovina. I, I think that's absolutely amazing. Taking that a stage further, what is wine tourism like 
at the moment in the country. Is it something that is used a lot or is it still something that is for specialists, hobbyists that like wines in Northern Europe or like wines in South America and they come here because they're just into wine? Or I would say that wine tourism could be another step, as you said, for the for the more opening up of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Is there a lot of wine tourism in the country that you know of? Unfortunately, tourism here in Bosnia-Herzegovina in general is still driven by the war tourism. This is a fact, unfortunately. But a lot of new agencies and also, for example, USAID, they are pushing this tourism economy in a really good way so that People abroad know Bosnia as a country with a wonderful, breathtaking nature, with vibrant cities. We have with Banja Luka, with the Sarajevo, the capital, with Mostar, Dusla, for example. We have so many vibrant and cultural-driven cities. And also we have Neom, so seaside. And... A lot of people pause Bosnia. For me, Bosnia, when I talk with the people, then I recognize that it changes now. But before it was like, it's, it's like a drive-through country. The German who wants to go to Croatia is two, three days. Ah, okay, I, I drive through Bosnia-Herzegovina. The same with Herzegovina itself, tourists from Sarajevo, they visit Herzegovina maybe one day. They don't recognize that we have wine, we have mountains, you can go hiking, biking, canoeing. There is so much. You can spend months here in Bosnia-Herzegovina in this small country and you don't see it all. And this had this is also a change. We have a lot of really good agencies now, a lot of NGOs who is taking care of it, that uh, the tourism itself in Bosnia-Herzegovina has to grow and to get known by a wider audience, that people come specifically to Bosnia-Herzegovina in general to make vacation and not only drive through and stay two, three days. I'm coming uh, specifically to the wine tourism. There is still a long way to go because there is no specific wine tourism. As I know that people come a week to the Provence just to drive from Chateau to Chateau, the same in Bordeaux, the same in Italy. And this would be also one of the aims to bring wine tourism here to Bosnia-Herzegovina, that people come from the, for the wine. Nobody's done it yet. Bella, you've got a business idea. You can make this work. <laughs> now, USAID, for example, they did a lot in terms of wine tourism. They founded this Vinska Cesta, so the wine route through Herzegovina. But there is still a long way to go to increase also a little bit the quality. We need to make sure that the winemaker, they speak a proper English, for example, or that we catch our tu tourists on an emotional way when we talk about our wines on a tasting, for example. 
But this was also, this is part of my project to upgrade a little bit this tastings, um, the specific wine tourism um, when I'm back in November 83. <laughs> because unfortunately in two weeks I have to leave. But there are um, a lot of projects ongoing um, where I cannot speak at this moment. But a huge movement is in, in terms of tourism and wine tourism at the moment. We are working on it. Bella, for those that are listening and suddenly saying to themselves, there's a lot being talked about Bosnian wines here. There's one question I want to ask. I'm going to do it for them. Can you recommend some must-try Bosnian wines for somebody that has never tried it before. Yeah, sure. As I said, our wine styles are very versatile in terms that because we have very different wine grapes reflect each region, let's say the northern part. I would say when it comes to Bosnia-Herzegovina, I would recommend uh, a Blatina, which is a red wine. Our Blatina, you can compare it with the Sangiovese grape from Italy or also with the Pinot Noir. So let's say from the characteristic. Um, and the wine is very specific because you feel the power, for example, of Herzegovina. So the sun, it's, it's a very amenable, fruity wine. But also the aged versions, they're very versatile, very layered. But it always shows the terroir, that means this fruitiness from the sun, this saltiness and stony flavors from the soil. And also there's always a herbal touch in it. Because we have many herbs around here in Herzegovina, wild herbs as well. And when it comes to the white wine, for sure, a Zilavka, which is in the same family like the Prosecco grape, Glera. So it's a very blossomy, very fruity and very versatile grape variety. Then we have the power of Vranats, which is not an out of Thomas grape variety from Bosnia-Herzegovina, but it's grape variety who is growing in the area of Trebinje. A lot of power, a lot of sun, a lot of soil, a very layered, complex wine, and so on. I think they have to come here and travel across Bosnia-Herzegovina to take all the different styles and with them because it reflects our country on its best way. That's a great tip. Great tips there. Finally, Bella, because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, uh, I know that you're going to leave in two weeks and then you'll be back later in the year. I know that you're going to get annoyed with me most probably asking this question. What plans have you got? What is the dream that you want to achieve here in Bosnia-Herzegovina when it comes to wine? First of all, that we get known to a wider audience, that we get the, a place on the international wine market, which we deserve with our wine, because we don't have to hide ourselves. Um, 
in terms of wine styles and wine quality. Um, and I wish that once Bosnia-Herzegovina is known as one of the most rated uh, boutique country when it comes to wine. That's me talking to Bella Dominkovic about the wines of Bosnia and Herzegovina. To find out more about Bella and the wines of Bosnia and Herzegovina, check out her Instagram account. Her username is Mrs. Bella Wine Chef. You'll have to check the show notes for the spelling for that. And if you would like to support the podcast, either consider subscribing to our blog, the link is in the show notes, or maybe buying a coffee or two. Thanks in advance. That's it for this episode. We have loads more episodes planned. In the meantime, please stay safe wherever you are listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.